Coming to you live from the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis, this is Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura. Oh, kids. Do we have a big one for you today. Nathan Zagura and Gibba. Hola. Gibbe live from Indianapolis, the 2023 NFL Scouting Combine. Of course, it is Cleveland Browns Daily. It is brought to you by BallyBet coming soon to Ohio. And Gibbe, this is going to be, you know, our final show from Indy. But you talk about wanting to go out on top. You talk about wanting to go out with a heater. We are going to give you on draft content. You're going to get draft content. Jordan Reed from ESPN. He's going to come your way today at approximately 125. At 140, it will be Daniel Jeremiah from NFL Network. And then in the 2 o'clock hour, boy. Got a little bomb for the kids. Do we have fun for you. If you like football, and you do, you're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily. It's I feel like it's a pretty much a lock. I think it's 100% overlap. Those who listen to Cleveland Browns Daily that also like football, just go ahead. Get, get in a comfy chair. Get real comfy. Pour yourself a glass of wine or bourbon. I know it's the middle of the day, but it's it's a Thursday. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. We're doing just fine. Get some popcorn maybe if you'd like that instead. But just cozy up and prepare for an absolute football bomb because at 2 o'clock, it's my favorite part of the combat. Greg Cosell will sit down for his annual chat with us. And I can tell you it's a banger. And then we're going to follow that up with fun and frivolity with the great Rich Eisen. I mean, it is going to be – this is an all-time show. It's an all-time CBD from the Combine, so certainly be excited. Be ready for that. Give a – I'm ready to go. Three nights in, in the football Vegas is plenty for me. I'm at my, I've reached my max. Yeah, I, I think – And I'm ready. I, I feel like there's a lot of that today. Going yeah, there's a lot radio of row. <laughs> The word I'd like to use is lethargy. There's a lot of lethargy <laughs> around us today. Mr. Yeah. Eisen. Yes, he will join us later on the program today, which is a great treat. Uh, I, I I feel like technically it's day four for us here because we got here Monday. We got here Monday. No, you're so it, it is uh, – while it's day three of shows, it, we are we are reaching the point now where everybody's like, all right, it's been fun. It's been real. And now, like, the serious people that – the on-field workouts start today. The draft analysts yeah. and, and everything like that, it's time for them to buckle down. Everybody's had their little going-out moments. It's now time to uh, for it to get real So and for the rest of us to get out of town and go home. Right. Time time to go, but it's been certainly a great trip um, from our standpoint because we've gotten a lot of interviews. I think this is the most that we've ever gotten not just in the organization, outside of the organization, luminaries, a parade of stars constantly coming around. And I'll tell you what, there's actually a lot of optimism when you're out and about talking about the Browns, talking about free agents want to play for the Browns, talking about that you know people expect Deshaun Watson to get back to what he was and maybe even be better with Kevin Stefanski. That Yes, there is pressure. There's pressure on the Cleveland Browns. That is, Everybody's in agreement about that, but there is an opportunity here for this team, I think, to be very productive. And you know what I had the pleasure of doing last night? I was running into our new safeties coach, Ephraim Banda. Really? Yeah, great guy. He was out with Mr. B. Lynch, well. Brandon Lynch, so I saw those guys, and uh, we, had a, we had a great chat. Super nice guy. Coach Banda, great guy. 
He's so excited uh, to be here and be a part of the Browns and be working with our safeties. And so uh, it was great to meet him. And the guy's had a lot of success, obviously, with Manny Diaz at the U, was the defensive coordinator at Utah State last year, and now he will be uh, our safeties coach. And and so that's that's one of the neat parts about the Combine. We haven't got a chance to meet him in Berea just yet, but here, out and about the Combine, you do. Current coaches, we've seen a lot of past coaches. Former coaches. That's right, uh, many. We we've run into a lot of people. Uh, I ran into Von Miller last night at uh, at oh, the baby. wedding establishment late yeah. into the evening. I was like, "Huh?" Uh, yeah. He's like, "What's up?" I'm like, "Nothing." I said, "I'm Gibbe." Having What's up a with cocktail. You? Yeah. How's that knee? Yeah, I heard there was some great dancing last night. Uh, not by me. By the young fellow over here. Uh, That's I, right. I I, I I believe young Connor. Uh, he was cutting a rug. He did. He did very well. <laughs> Uh, there were a lot of people that did real well that are maybe uh, maybe a little hurting today. At a boy, but you know, I mean, it, 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 it's a again NFL. Don't overthink this. Keep this event here. Agreed. Stop. Great. Don't don't put it in LA. Don't put it in Vegas. Don't put it somewhere where like we're never going to see half of the people here. Like this is a chance for everybody in our industry that's. Either media or with the team, everybody comes together to celebrate the season. And within a half-mile radius. I mean, everybody is there. Yeah. There's like four bars everybody's at. The restaurants, great food. Had a great meal at Ocean Air last night uh, with my boy Andy Sims, agent to the stars. Oh, big weekend for him, I'm sure. Yeah, huge weekend. They got a lot of guys here at this combine. He brings some merch? Any of his his one-of-one? No, no merch. He's wearing merch. I got got merch. We'll get get merch. We'll We'll represent. Um so as we said today, the on-field workouts will start today in prime time, and that'll be the defensive line and the linebackers. And for the Cleveland Browns, that's something to pay attention to because they have interest in in you know defensive tackles. They have interest in defensive ends, uh, edge rushers as well. So that's for as a Browns fan, that's something that you are going to want to pay attention to here when we get going uh, as the combine kicks off. So it'll be defensive linebacker, defensive line and linebackers today. DBs and specialists tomorrow, quarterbacks, wide receivers, and tight ends on Saturday, and then the offensive line and running backs on Sunday. Yes, uh, Browns legend Joe Hayden will be working with the corners on NFL Network, and the Hoff will be working with the offensive linemen on NFL Network. Programming note. Programming note, Browns luminaries yeah. in the mix. We'll, we'll the two Joes. Yeah. Hopefully we'll see more of them as this year goes on here at the Cleveland Browns. Something tells me that we're going to. Maybe. Pay attention yeah. to the scores, perhaps. There you go. I don't know. Huh? You can't if what you do want. I know? Ignore them at your own peril. All right, some news here from Indy as we get things going. Georgia defensive tackle Jalen Carter is back at the Combine in Indianapolis to finish his interviews, measurements, and other activities. Sources told ESPN senior insider Adam Schefter this morning. Carter was booked and released at the Atlanta Athens-Clark County Jail in Georgia last night per the jail's official records. I think he was there for 15 minutes. Yeah, Enough for the mugshot. It's two misdemeanors. Yeah. yeah. During his press conference yesterday, Ravens general manager Eric DaCosta said he had a good discussion recently with quarterback Lamar Jackson and is optimistic a deal will be reached. Now, these sides remain very far apart on money and guarantees, and the Ravens have been in the news for other reasons. The NFLPA survey was released. Their training staff got an F-. minus. It was 32nd in the NFL. Brown's got an A+, plus, by the way, I think, on that. Uh, Joe Sheehan and his great group. And you are seeing players come at their general manager. Uh, yeah. You're seeing players come at the training staff on social media. It's been a wild few, a wild 24 hours, I think, for the Baltimore Ravens. And not good. And, and I didn't, I guess I didn't realize, you know, to put a tag on a player, 
deadline's Tuesday. The deadline's Tuesday, and if the Browns wait until after that tag to restructure Deshaun Watson, that would cost the Ravens, I think it's 5 or $7 million more in what that tag will be. Yeah, go ahead and wait. So, yeah. You're fine. We're in let's no rush. Thing, let's make things a little more difficult. The Browns have to be under the salary cap by the start of the league year, so they can wait till after that deadline on Tuesday and have no problems doing that. Dolphins general manager Chris Greer says he was not rushed on picking up to it. Tungabai Lowe's fifth-year option and believes that all options are on the table during his press conference yesterday. That's telling. That's a little telling to me. If he was, if they knew he would be able to play for them for the next two seasons, yeah. they would have picked up that option without any hesitation. So Correct. the fact they're waiting on that means that there's still more, unfortunately for if, Tua, more than meets the eye going okay, on. Okay, so if if he can't be the guy, who is the guy? Well, they're in a tough spot. On one on one hand, they're in a ready-made position. Yep. Somewhere that I would imagine a guy and Aaron Rodgers would love to go. or and Really, the guy that probably makes the most sense for them, though, would be Derek Carr in that sense because you don't have to give any assets up. You'd have to give up assets to get Aaron Rodgers. Correct. And, and pay him an exorbitant amount of money. They would be able to – Derek Carr, they could just bring right in. So that would probably be the one that would feel like the most likely guy there. Speaking of Derek Carr, he's met with the Jets. He's met with the Panthers. And Frank Reich, the new head coach of the Panthers, said that Carr checks a lot of boxes in regard to being a fit for the team in 2023. No duh. And if I'm Derek Carr, I know that the Jets probably seem very enticing. I'm sure the Dolphins would seem enticing if a situation arose. But going to the NFC, he is immediately one of the top three quarterbacks in the NFC. Or certainly top five. And he would not be in the AFC. All right. NFL draft order. I believe they're picking fifth. Am I correct on that? Who, Carolina? Uh, yeah. Carolina, I think ninth? Uh, hold on. Hold, please. I think ninth because their defense was good. Remember, they were they were in it till the very end to win the NFC South. Uh, yeah, they're number nine, seven and ten. Like, they could not be in a worse position. From a draft standpoint, it's not a great class to begin with. Well, and it'd be hard for them to get up to get. Now, if they like Will Levis or they say we're going to be the team that you know takes Gamble on, on Richardson from Florida, then they certainly have the ability to do that. They'll get one of those but, guys at nine. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have to go after someone in free agency, but do you have do you have all the pieces? Like, there are some good pieces there, but, like, eh. Gets a good receivers. Their defense is the strength of that team. Correct. Brian Burns, Jeremy Chin, J.C. Horn. Yeah, the fact that they didn't fire sale everybody when they blew the staff out in, in the middle of the year is a good thing. Yeah. No, they've got – there definitely is some talent there. I can see even some former some former Panthers making their way onto the Cleveland Browns. Matt Ioannidis would be somebody I bet they're looking at along that defensive line as a veteran. So we talked about Derek Carr. The Jets, obviously, that's that's a team that's looking at him. Robert Sala saying that quarterback Mike White should be on the Jets roster and that Zach Wilson will be sticking around as well. So oh. that's kind of what they're looking at there. It's fine. I mean, what, yeah. what are they costing you? I mean, uh, nothing. Yeah. Zach Wilson's on a rookie deal, and I don't even know what Mike White makes. So Pro- He makes plenty of money, but – well, in an yeah, NFL, not, in an NFL standpoint, right? He's not, correct. He's not. They're they are not hamstrung by keeping Mike White on their roster. You know what's interesting to me about being here so far is that there are those quarterback dominoes have to fall. Aaron Rodgers saying today that you know he's not going to drag this out. He doesn't. Well, you know, blah, blah. he also was on a podcast and he said that you know people said I was done in nineteen setup. and then I won two MVPs. I thought I was done, but I still can play at a high level. Um, 
we'll see. I just hope that whatever he does, he does it quickly, and then we kind of kind of see how these dominoes ultimately end up falling around the National Football League at that position because that is that's that's the big thing. Now, the good news for us is quarterbacks. That that situation doesn't matter for the Cleveland Browns, and that's the first time we've been able to say that in a very, very long time. Deshaun Watson, and I'll tell you, being around talking to people, there is a lot of optimism about Deshaun and the Browns. Yeah, uh, it, it's coming back. Like It's been a while. I, I think that everybody was a little down here for a, a good month or two as to how, it went, how the season ended, and it, 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 I think it was a trying year for all of us. It but, was. It was a- and now – it, it has been interesting the amount of people that are like you're, you're you got a team if if Watson if Watson turns it around here like you, you're going to be pretty special yeah I mean from what Chris Sims said to us the other day you're going to hear Greg Cosell uh, later on today breaking it down a little bit I yep. mean there, there's some big big opportunities for this football team and uh, you've got a lot of the players in place you got you got to fill a couple holes. But if you fill them right, yeah, an opportunity to take a real step forward because yeah. you're going to have that quarterback. I think it's very obvious here, too, that the consensus is that the Browns, speed wide receiver on offense, maybe a running back late on offense because it's such a good running back draft and you could get great value there. Um, and then on defense, it's all about that defensive line and then finding a, a free safety nickel. And, and that's really where everybody has been – all the energy has been. It's kind of what everybody is focused on. Um, and everybody we've talked to, and you're, you're going to hear Jordan Reed, you're going to hear Daniel Jeremiah talk about that. Uh, it's a great edge class. So if you're wanting the Browns to draft an edge rusher, it's a great edge class for the Browns to be able to do that. Uh, there are some excellent defensive tackles that should be available to them. And there are receivers that <laughs> you're going to hear the same names come up over multiple times. Over. It's, the, it's stunning. <laughs> yeah, with everybody we talk to who's in, you know, in that game. The names were very similar. You're going to hear Reed. You're going to hear Jeremiah. You're going to hear Dane Brugler will be coming up as the week continues. Yeah, it's a pretty – the people that make sense for the Browns at 42 are getting in the third or fourth round. That's been that's been cool. Dane Dane's going to drop a few different names because we get in the safety discussion there. But also, you know, he had a, a different receiver for later on than, than the others. But it is. It's a lot of the same names. And – it's going to be fun to see how these guys run and, and what the fit is for the Browns. Again, the offensive pick to me is a luxury. Do you want to do that in the second round? Possibly, because it's also succession planning. And, and for, you know, we would be in trouble without Amari or, or if Donovan goes down. Sure. Like, we've got to have somebody who can fill those shoes and fill those roles. And then, but defense, you need people that are ready to start now. And I think that's going to be, as it always has been for Andrew Barry, it's going to be a combination of free agency and the draft or trades and the draft. But I would imagine we will put draft assets at, even though we drafted two edges last year, we drafted a defensive tackle last year, we're probably going to draft more of those guys. We'll probably draft a free safety as I was going to say, the safety room now, I mean, Harrison probably not coming back. Uh, John Johnson, the expected uh, departing uh, of him coming up. I mean, that that leaves you Delpit. Yeah, uh, and I mean, there's some there's some other players out there, uh, but all of a sudden you're a little thin on the back end there. Well, yeah, you don't have a starter at free safety, and again, that is something that will as the way that he does it. I mean, Andrew Barry has an mo; he will bring in a safety and he will draft a safety. The first year it was John Johnson and Rich LeCount. Now neither one of them are still here, so that's going to have to. You're going to we got to hit that, but yeah. 
the opportunity certainly for that position to play a bigger role than perhaps we thought, you know, coming here is there. What you got over there, Gibby? Look, just a few, excited. just a few nuggets that are coming out. Uh, more from around the league here. Tight end news: Jeremy Fowler, Bucks expected to release tight end Cam Brate in the coming days. Brate okay. played nine seasons in Tampa as a cap hit around five million. Uh, a good run so far: two seventy-three on the catches, thirty-three touchdowns. Uh, the Jags expected to place the franchise tag on tight end Evan Ingram. Of course, as they well they should. Yeah, the franchise tag something. is eleven point three million. That's, that's not a, a good number. Let me tell you something right now. The Jags have Trevor Lawrence. They're going to have Christian Kirk. They're going to have Calvin Ridley. They yeah. are going to have Evan Ingram and Travis Etienne. That is an unbelievable core five of skill talent on offense. Evan Ingram was a first round pick. Evan Ingram. Injuries had been a problem for him in New York a little bit, but his ability to catch the football has never been in question and make plays. And now you got a trigger man like Trevor Lawrence throwing him the ball. That is a great situation. It goes back to what you and Bo have been saying all week, and really going back to when the watching the Bengals and some of the questions coming up with with that group. Uh, it's all about surrounding your guys with weapons. And Ingram has had a nice little turnaround career-wise in Jacksonville. He's been yeah, over 800 yards. Back. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that you know, get him the guys he's comfortable with and get him to stay. And, you know, again, franchising, franchise tagging them means you have the opportunity then to negotiate a long-term deal, but with the player already under contract should the contract negotiations not go well. I mean, we did the same thing with Njoku. Yep. Oh, it just gives you an opportunity. It buys you time to get a longer-term deal done, which it's smart. It's good business, and it's smart for them. Look, it's a, it's, this is a league that's about offense and it's about scoring. And, yes, of course, you need to be competent on defense and proficient in slowing down teams from scoring and getting after you. That's what you need to do. But this is a situation, in my opinion, where we need to be able to keep up with the Cincinnati's, the Buffaloes, the Kansas Cities, the Chargers. I'll say it. The Jacksonville Jaguars. Those are the teams that you're going to have to be able to score with and go point for point with if you want to be a team of consequence in the Absolutely. NFL. Absolutely. I mean, are the, how, how can the Jags not be a, a contender now? Especially in their division, knowing what's in that division right now. That, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know what's going to happen with the Titans sure. at, at the quarterback position sure. and, and just in general right now. They, yeah. They look like they're – Struggling and due for a re a retooling, the Colts. I have no you know quarterback. That division kind is of a whole. The, the Jags are going to dominate that division for a long. They time. should. The team that can get good quickly is the Texans because they have the assets to do so. Now if they, they got a hit on them. If they didn't botch the ending of last season, they just had the number one pick. It would be even easier. So if they want to get, if there's one guy that they really want, if they decided really is Bryce Young and that they're not interested in C.J. Stroud, that has a price tag associated with it to go up and to make sure that they get him. So, But they have plenty of money. They have plenty of assets. They have a chance, I think, to get good pretty quickly. But that's the Jags' division for a while. That's the Jags' I would, I division think for so. a while. I mean, <laughs> it goes, and, and you'll hear it later on, uh, the Lovey Smith draft night party. Because, I mean, what if they, wanted to, if they need to move up, what's that going to cost them? All their assets. It's going to cost them a bet, and that's – just one of those things. It was it was an unnecessary, it was an unnecessary outcome. But. Yeah, but you would have had everything still in place, and totally. you just lost the game. That's right. So, Davis Mills saying, what? "Replace me. Watch this. 
Because it was a touchdown. It was a, they had yes. a, 20, a fourth and 20 they converted, then a touchdown, then the two. Yeah. Yeah. What, they, they uh, give it up to him. What was the uh, what was the meal of the week here for you? Mm. Uh, I thought that we had a great meal. I, I really enjoyed Harry and Izzy's. We had a great time at Harry and Izzy's. We did have fun. Uh, that was great. Last night, Ocean Air was awesome. Nada was spectacular as always. Although this new social cantina here for lunch is a real eye-opener. It's a game-changer. Back where our sushi place was, and now we have some place that we can walk to and actually eat real lunch. I would three days in a row. I mean, I couldn't. Oh, yeah, I, I sent it to Bo, and Bo's like, I miss it. I miss it. <laughs> there were other people there that we saw, former uh, NFL receiver, who we, we noticed at the bar. He, he was he was walking in as I was walking out today. So that's the place to be, I'm telling you. It's All delicious. Right. Yeah. No, right. Irias didn't disappoint last night. What do you go with there? What's your go-to? Uh, like I did a, a little Italian. chicken parm. Okay. Uh, and I love a good cannoli. Boy, donut. Good and cannolis, their, their cannolis are top of the line. Cannoli's a great dessert. Yep. Uh, fantastic, a little angel hair with the bolognese on uh-huh. top. Nice. Yeah, I usually go bananas foster would be my top dessert, and then maybe a cannoli from a, like something that you'd get at a restaurant. I love big bananas foster guy. I got you. Little table side. I got you. What, it's a real treat. What uh, What was the course last night? I don't think I've been to that place. Ocean Air. I, I don't think it's so. It's good. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a excellent. It's a chain. Okay. But. High end kind of. I, th- I don't know if it's Morton's that owns them. I think maybe that's right. Uh, but delicious. I got a uh, I got a Chilean sea bass over some like soba noodles and like a miso broth with this. They call it dynamite style. And they have these this like crab with sriracha they put on top. It was, it was a real treat. That's not too yeah. shabby. Not, not too, too shabby, shabby at all. No, no, indeed. Shout out to my man Andy Sims. All right, coming up next here we've got Jordan Reed coming your way. Daniel Jeremiah this hour. Hour two. Greg Cosell. Rich Eisen, and more of me and Gibbe. It's uh, it's, it's a big been a one. week, buddy. It's been a week. It's been well done. And, bravo uh, to us. You bravo to us, and, and many more, uh, many more little tidbits to come here yeah. over the next couple of days. We got some people. Follow Bra- Browns underscore daily. By if the you're way, listening, that's you only at forty thousand. I know he so. stalled out. We had a two thousand rise, and then a total stall out. Well, that, come but on. like we 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 were yeah. busy doing other things. Yeah. We couldn't yeah. devote the whole show to no no. But so, even so, if you're listening today and you don't follow at Browns underscore daily, give us a follow. We'd appreciate it. We'll do a special okay. giveaway if we have 45 Pictures 000. we're posting here as yeah. we go. And it's going to be glorious. Yeah. They wouldn't let me take the camera. They wouldn't let me live tweet stuff when we were out and about the other night. Yeah. Probably yeah. rightfully so yeah, for all of good. our jobs. Yeah, good idea. Good idea. All right. Jordan Reed coming up next here live from the Combine. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by, by Bally Bet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Live from the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis, this is Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Welcome back to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio, live from the Combine in Indianapolis, and we're very happy now to be joined by an old friend of the show, ESPN draft analyst Jordan Reed. Jordan, what's going on, man? I'm here, man. It feels like Christmas week for me. This is like my Super Bowl, so I'm excited to be here. What do you enjoy most about the combine? Well, it's just the thrill of each, how each class is different. Just because whenever you have a quarterback-driven class, it seems to be a little bit more exciting, especially from the media standpoint. But just dissecting each and every position group and then also seeing these guys move around. 
Well, we aren't in the market for a quarterback with the Cleveland Browns. We've got Deshaun Watson. But that is, as you pointed out, probably the top topic here. Who was the top quarterback on the board? What should the Bears do at one? Although they've kind of said basically we're sick with Justin Fields and trading out. So let's start with that. If you were running the Bears, how would you evaluate Justin Fields versus this year's quarterback class? Um, He would be my favorite. I think he would be the consensus top quarterback in this group just because of what he was able to show at Ohio State in the end, just the size, the frame that he has. And we've already seen what he's been able to do as a competitive runner. Yes. Now he still has to catch up a little bit as far as from a passing standpoint, but they have to get him some weapons and then some protection. So I think that's eventually going to come. But as far as the top quarterbacks in this class, I have it ranked Bryce Young at one, C.J. Stroud two, Anthony Richardson three, and then Levis four. All right, Bryce Young, he would be, it feels like, when we get them all measured out, a historical outlier, yeah. right? But yeah. you don't like to bet on outliers, but right. at the same time, incredibly impressive. How do you kind of balance that in your evaluation? And if you were a general manager, would you be much more comfortable drafting him if you were a dome team as opposed to maybe a cold-weather AFC North type yeah. team? Yeah, I would be a little bit more comfortable drafting him as a dome team just because I know that eight to nine games that you're going to be inside, I can control the elements. And especially when you talk about a smaller quarterback, you kind of worry about the arm strength of those guys. Can they play in the elements? And then as the season goes along, are their body going to hold up? But the thing that's a little bit different about Bryce is that just his poise. Like, he plays with the same heartbeat no matter the circumstances of the game. We saw it against Auburn during the sophomore season and then plenty of times last year, even in the LSU game, which I thought was his worst game of the season, you see him still out there battling and fighting. All right, let's talk about some of the things the Browns need. And then there are probably three big needs and then one that we'll, we'll say maybe is depth later on or actually could be a starter at this point. But let's start with the wide receiver. Yeah. Browns need to get somebody with some juice, some speed, and, and perhaps that's at pick 42. Maybe that comes later than that. That's the Browns' first pick mm-hmm. in this draft in the second round. Uh, who are some of the guys that you like in this draft that have the potential yeah. to be there at 42? Tyler Scott from Cincinnati is that's one. keeps coming up, yeah, man. He's, he's going to be a very popular name even at 42. And – you know, him and Jalen Hyatt are kind of in that same bucket, but I think that he could end up going or end up being the better player than Hyatt. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Just the speed element that he brings to the game, and that's something that the Browns don't have. You have Amari Cooper and DPJ, but if one of those guys go down, now you're talking about you're in trouble as far as the options on the perimeter. But him just being able to take the top off of the defense and then getting those guys open in the underneath areas, I think Tyler Scott would be a really good pick at 42. Who's somebody that you would compare him to? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, Will Fuller. I think Will Fuller will be a good example. Um, Deshaun Jackson Jackson could be another example. Just trying to paint a picture of just his playing style, of how he takes the top off of the defense. And then he's one of those guys that you cannot overthrow. Just because he's one of those guys that you can just throw the ball down the field, you can close your eyes, you know he's going to catch up to the ball. And that's something that Deshaun needs. It certainly is. It would really open up our offense. Now, if the Browns go another direction, we'll talk about edges in a second at 42. Is there anybody in the third, fourth round? Now, obviously, they're not going to be completely well-rounded, but maybe there's somebody who is just a good, pure, mm-hmm. vertical threat that can catch the ball. That's been our problem, right? Yeah. Anthony Schwartz, he has all the speed yeah. you want, yeah. but he, he hasn't been able to catch the ball consistently yeah. and, and make an impact on the league. So is there somebody maybe a little bit later on day two that if we don't get a Scott or a Hyatt that – fits kind of that bill that you need and know that it would just be more of a limited role or more of a project. Uh, Jaden Reed from Michigan State, he's one that I think they'll have a lot of interest in now. With the Browns, they do have the age factor. They like younger prospects just from a financial standpoint. You get more bang for your buck. So um, Jaden Reed from Michigan State, he's one to keep an eye on. What do you think of Mims from Oklahoma? Yeah, yeah, Marvin Mims, that's a a great 
name. I should have dropped that name myself just because he fits in that mold of that vertical stretch guy, but also he can take advantage of the underneath areas too. Was really their only weapon at Oklahoma last year, but he was still able to go out and produce. All right, let's flip to the edge. And, and would you agree that this is one of the strengths of this draft yeah. class? Yeah, without question. I think edge, tight end, corner, and running back. Those are your top four as far as the strengths from top to bottom at the position. But, yeah, edge has a lot of talent and a lot of depth from it. Um, B.J. Ojolari is one name that I like a lot. Mm-hmm. I think they'll have a lot of interest in him. Um, and there's plenty of others that I like too. So, But Ojolari is one that I think could be there at 42, and if he's there, I think they'll run to the podium. Because you gotta, you got to get the guy opposite Miles Garrett. You drafted Alex Wright a year yeah. ago, who is still somewhat of a project in the sense that he's very young, played mm-hmm. a different style at Alabama, Birmingham, and, and they liked him. But you got to be able to get to the quarterback, and I think yeah. that's what, especially with Jim Schwartz, that attacking front, that's something they'll be looking for. So, Ojalair, any other names that we should maybe keep tabs on? Uh, possibly Will McDonald. I think he's going to be a little bit outside of their comfort uh, from an age perspective. But, yeah, I think Ojalair is the that's one. That's the guy? That gonna, okay. He's, right. the, he's the one. He's the one you need to put a gold star beside. I think he could be – uh, I think it would be a really good fit opposite of Miles Garrett. All right, let's talk defensive tackle for a second. And that's a position that the Browns will address this offseason, whether that's a big free agent splash, a trade, combination of that and the draft. I'd probably be surprised if they took a defensive tackle at 42 just because they would want a pass rushing defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. And if there's a guy that good at it, he's probably not going to be there at 42. Yeah. So who are some names maybe later day two, third round, fourth round? That's kind of been their MO, right? Andrew yeah. Barry, third round, Jordan Elliott, fourth round, Togiai, fourth round, Perrion, who I think could be very, very good if we can get him focused on the right things. Yeah. What do you think about the defensive tackle class and any names that for the Browns maybe later on day two, early day three? Mozzie Smith from Michigan. He's one that I think they're going to have a lot of interest in just because the Browns have shown that they value explosive athletes that are younger too. And Mozzie Smith, he's only going to be 21 years old. He feels a position of need. And the Browns have kind of patchworked that defensive tackle spot. But now it's like, let's go ahead and get that middle-of-the-field plugger that we know can come in and be a contributor on rundowns. And I think Mozzie Smith can be that guy. When you said running back, obviously the Browns have Nick Chubb, but there mm-hmm. is some flux there. Kareem Hunt and Ernest Johnson, both free agents. You drafted Jerome Ford last year, who looked very good in the preseason, gave you some juice as a kick returner. But it wouldn't surprise me at all to see them just throw another name in the hat yeah. in that backfield, especially taking advantage of the value in this draft. Let's go day three. Are there any day three running backs that jump out to you that would be a good fit for what we do in kind of that wide zone, inside yeah. zone, and then the pin pool that we run? Eric Gray from Oklahoma. He's one that I think we're going to be all Sooners. Yeah, last year we got Isaiah Sooners. Thomas, Michael Woods. <laughs> Keep it yeah. going. Okay. Um, Dwayne McBride from UAB. He's probably okay. a late-round sleeper, probably fifth, sixth round that they could get in that area that I think could come in and contribute right away. When you are here, what is it that you want to see the most? Or is it more for you information gathering as opposed to watching mm-hmm. the guys actually out on the field? Yeah. What, what is it that you find the most valuable about so the So I always compare scouting. It's like buying a car. And when you have first interest in buying a car, you look it up online, whether it's used or new, you're looking at it, you just really see the exterior. But at the combine, you're looking at the interior. You're seeing the console, you're seeing the steering wheel, you get to test drive it, you're seeing if you like leather, if you like different types of interior. So we're finding, we're figuring out the nuts and bolts of as far as the mentality of these players, the athleticism, that's what I like to call the makeup of these guys. And that's the interior of the car. You can scroll all day long looking at the exterior of the car, but you want to get a feel for it. You want to sit in, you want to test drive it, and that's what the combine is. All right, who's the one guy that you think after this combine that you're higher on than maybe the consensus that yeah. after this combine or as we get closer to the draft, people are going to yeah. be like, uh-huh. Um, 
Oh, there's a lot. <laughs> Tyler Scott is one. Uh, Mozzie Smith is another. Keep, well, if you can't say people yeah. for the Browns, keep those names. Shh. Yeah, I'm gonna try to. Right. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm yeah, preaching right. those guys too much. But yeah, those two guys. I think Mozzie Smith. I think he's gonna blow the doors off of the combine. We're gonna see some freak numbers from him. Does that catapult a guy like that? It will. Um, I think they're going to have to take him at 42 if, if they, they want, want him. Okay. If they want him after the combine, honestly. All right, Jordan, this was great stuff, man. Always great chatting with you and uh, looking forward to seeing this, your content as the next few weeks unfold as we get ready for the draft. Absolutely. Thank you, guys, as always. It's always a pleasure. All right, we'll be back with more live from the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Live from the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis, this is Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. All right, welcome back into Cleveland Browns Daily. Join now here on location with Daniel Jeremiah, NFL Network, and here we go. A year goes by quickly, and we're back at the con. I mean, it was like two weeks ago we were here, right? <laughs> That's right. World. Every, every year you, you get here and you land and you say, boy, what are, what are the things everyone's talking about? Nine times out of ten, it's quarterback, and it feels yeah. like that's the case again this year at the top, obviously. Yeah, no, it is absolutely. And, and it's an interesting year because we don't have a, a Burrow or we don't have a Trevor Lawrence where it's all locked in and you know who that first guy is going to be, and you've got a lot of names. So, um, and it, it's the, I don't know if I can remember a time, you guys tell me if you can think of one, where we've got two divisions, like it's almost like the NFC South and the AFC South, they all need quarterbacks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, the Browns are the reason why one of them needs a quarterback. Yeah. But, but that's – so you have the intrigue of a team at two and a team at four who both need a quarterback. They could both trade up to one, and it's like a two-for-one special. Not only do I get a quarterback, I keep them from a team inside my division who needs one. Yeah, and if you were the Houston Texans, you just could have lost in the last game right. of the season, and we wouldn't be dealing with any of this. Which is, I, I just, I want to, I want to go to the Lovey Smith draft party. <laughs> it's got to be a being there. held in Chicago. It, it I is. Uh, that. That's a great call. That's a great <laughs> yeah. call. Yeah. So let's talk about that's the, the easiest marketing money he'll right. ever make. Right. Oh my goodness, it was all right there. We need a thirty for thirty yes. on this someday. So you look at the top of the draft, the Bears. Now it's come out; they're going to be trading that pick. Yeah. Just you as an evaluator, how would you have rated Justin Fields versus maybe Bryce Young or another option in this draft? Yeah, it would. I would have it Bryce in terms of the grade coming out, and then Fields, okay. and then the rest of this group. But the uh, then I get asked the follow up question inevitably, which is, okay, well, if you're Chicago and you have a higher grade on Bryce Young, then wouldn't you just take Bryce Young and trade Justin Fields? I don't like the fit for Bryce Young in Chicago. So that's just, yeah, I, I don't think with his with his size, I don't think he works there in that sure. division, in that in that home environment. I don't think it's conducive to a smaller quarterback. And it goes back to my time in, in your division. You know, I haven't scouted in that division. We wanted bigger physical quarterbacks because it's you're, you're playing in weather, you're playing in elements, you're playing in a physical division. Like you just needed a bigger guy. I think in the AFC South where you're playing indoors in Indy, you're playing indoor in Houston – I just think it makes more sense with with you know his only limitation that he really has is that is that size. I think it plays better indoors. By the way, thanks with your other job, you took six six Justin Herbert and just kept him in a dome in California <laughs> yeah, 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 instead of it, bringing him it. to the AFC that's North it, yeah, for us. Yeah. I, I had a lot to do with that draft, by the way, with the Chargers. <laughs> it reminds me a little bit of the Kyler draft in that we were all here waiting to see. Well, how tall is he going to be? Yeah. What's this? What's the size? There's no issue with with Young in terms of all the rest of it. It's just that one thing. That's it. Is there a number there that becomes too much to overcome for him or not 
I think he's. I mean, I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to come in at 200 pounds, right around 200 pounds, and then you're going to be able to look on paper, and you're going to be able to find some other quarterbacks that have been 207, 204, 209. Sure. You're like, okay, there's there's something out there for a comp. You don't want to come in here and be 182 pounds, and then you're like, they got how do, they got nothing to compare this to, yeah. even if he's you know 511 and change or whatever he's going to be. All right, let's talk about from a Browns perspective. Yeah. We do not have a first-round pick, as you mentioned earlier. We got Deshaun Watson weird from the that, Houston by Texans. The way. Yeah. It is odd. It is <laughs> odd, but we're going to have to make some hay here in yeah. the second round. Edge, wide receiver. Let's start with the wide receiver position. This is a team that desperately needs some speed yeah. at that spot. Are there any guys you like that maybe could be there in that second-round area? Tyler Scott's an interesting one from Cincinnati. Um, he can really go as a vertical receiver. I don't think, you know, I think Jalen Hyatt's going to be gone. I think Johnson from TCU is going to be gone. Um, but he can run, um, and so that gives you a big-time speed option to get down the field. And then, you know, there's there's other guys that maybe aren't just true blazers but are fast players that can play, in, in like Marvin Mims from Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. He, might, he might get him in the third or fourth round, but he's going to probably run in the low 4-4s. Four but he's a good player, and you see him get vertical. You see him get over the top. When you think about the strength in this draft, we, Nathan mentioned we need, obviously, defensive line, receiver yeah. speed. How does it line up with the depth of talent at those positions in this draft? Well, I mean, I, I think when you look at the depth positions in this draft, on offense, the two that are the deepest are tight end and running back. Yep. So, you know, and, you know, I don't think those are right at the top of the there, list. Yeah. Um, and then you look on the defensive side of the ball, uh, edge rusher is a, is a really good group of edge rushers. Um, and corner. So those are the two deep positions. Then, you know, I think the wide receiver group is down compared to what it's been the last few years. Um, the linebacker group's just okay. Um, so, and the safety group's not great. So those are kind of the, the strengths and weaknesses overall. So at 42 overall, you think a quality edge very They'll likely be a good could one. be on the They'll board? They'll be a good one there. I think I have 10 in my top 50. So okay. I love the kid from Kansas State. Um, um, Gosh, and a DK Uzama, I believe, is the last name here. I've got a lot of names floating yeah, around. Yeah, you do. But he's yes. a really good player. Um, so that one, that would be one I would keep an eye on. I, I think Will McDonald's probably going to run his way out into the middle part of the first round with what he does here this week. That's certainly something. That, when you think of the Browns in totality and you look at this offseason and uh, the news of, of John Johnson and, and what's coming there, and um, it is, it does feel like for us that it is a there is a, a tremendous amount of pressure to now makes we got to go win yeah. everybody's in the prime our best players in the prime a full off season for Deshaun as you look at the roster juxtaposed to what is in Kansas City and Cincinnati and Buffalo what do you see how close is it from from your perspective yeah I think they need some more dynamic players up front on defense you know just to add with Miles and I think look I'm a Jim Schwartz fan you know I've known Schwartzy forever so I think he's going to do a good job maximizing that group they're going to play an attacking front they're going to yeah. get up the field and get after it so I think he needs a couple more tools to work with there. But I think once you do that, yeah, I mean, you can go, you know, with the, their top, if you want to look at kind of that blue chip group of their top eight guys and put them up with everybody else in the AFC, I think they stack up quite well. The Browns have been very kind of strict in their age guardrails. It mm-hmm. feels like there are more prospects in the top 50, top 100 this year because of COVID oh, yeah. that are older. For a team, kind of what yeah. you were talking about, do you think this is maybe a year? It's okay to draft a 23-year-old in the second round because you're, we, I think we need our second-round pick to play this year. I'm fine with it. You know, I always try and look at it as, as thinking one contract at a time. You know, if I get somebody that can come in here and give me four years of really, really good football, that's good. That's a good pick. Yeah. You know, give me four great years, and if we don't get a second contract on him, that's fine. He'll go sign somewhere else, and, and you know, we'll get a comp pick and move on. But I think you you got to be in the business of getting good football players, and if you start weeding out the guys, with, because of COVID for the next few years, we're going to see some – 
more older players coming in with this extra year that they've been granted. So um, I, I wouldn't want to disqualify myself from, from taking one of those guys. We talked about Bryce Young off the top. Let's talk about the, the other quarterbacks that could be in the mix here, Stroud, Levis, those guys. Who do you like? A lot of Richardson buzz coming into yeah. this week. Uh, what do you make of those guys' as prospects? Yeah, to me, Stroud's the second-best guy. I, I think he, I just trust him the most in terms of the accuracy and the decision-making. Charles Davis, is what a handsome man. Look, Look at, at that, that guy. Pun him. Oh, Unbelievable. He's, he's what a guy. Legend. Um, the, uh, that's the one that I, that I trust. Now, there's some. He's not a perfect player. None of these guys are, and there's stuff stuff you want to see him continue to grow and get better at. But I, I've seen him get better throughout his time. Every every time you watched him, I thought there was progress that was being made. I thought even just arm strength from last year to this year, I thought his arm was stronger. Um, and then the you know the questions about you know when you move him around and then he loses some accuracy, then he goes out and does what he did in the in the playoff game, which helps alleviate that. So I, you know, is that old scouting adage? If you can do it once, you can do it. So I know he, I know it's in there. I know he's got it. So. Uh, that, to me, makes him number two. Uh, Levis has got an unbelievable amount of ability, um, was better last year than this year for a whole host of different reasons you got to dig into while you're down here. But, uh, uh, you know, that would be the next one. And then Richardson's the is the boomer bust, you know. Right. It is the highest ceiling and the lowest floor. Yeah. So <laughs> if you're feeling frisky, go for it. Well, that would be a team maybe that has it, like a Detroit, for That's example. That's what I said, and the, the, the Lions fans are so mad at me. We would never do that. We have Jared Goff, and I'm like, no, Jared's a really good player. This guy yeah. has so much more in his body. Like, there is a much higher ceiling here. Yeah. And, oh, by the way, the cost is nothing. Well, right. The, right, you have the free pick. You're going to have to pay. Goff's already making a decent amount of money in his contract. You're going to have to pay him a lot of money. Yeah. There's no such thing as a middle-tier quarterback contract. Right. Right, and go back a few years ago. The Chiefs were going to the playoffs. Alex Smith certainly a fine yeah. quarterback. And I'm and sure if we went back, if we went back at that time, there'd be a lot of Chiefs fans going, yeah. "What are we doing? We got Alex Smith." I think it's worked out pretty well for them. It's we're not saying okay. this is going to happen, but yeah. but we'll see. There, you mentioned Stroud, one of the guys he throws the ball to, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Are people sleeping on him a little bit? I know people say this is, receiver draft isn't top heavy enough, but when you can separate and think about the guys, as you've talked many times, Olave and Wilson were there, and he was the best of that bunch. Yeah. Out of the slot, he operated. Yeah, what yeah. do you think about him? Well, he, yeah, the, that's part of the deal. He's in the slot. They're drawing the number one and number two corners on the outside, and he was beating the living tar out of the number three corner yeah. in the slot. <laughs> so the question, the knock is, is, can he really run? You know, one of the things, is, you know, he didn't come back this year. Is that oh, he's been really training and training and training, trying to get you know get a little bit faster. That's the only knock on him is just a pure speed. I think he's going to be a high volume guy. I think he's going to catch eighty plus balls a year. I don't think he's in the class of those other two guys at Ohio State as much as they like to give him uh, that, that title as, sure. as the best of the bunch. I didn't think it was close just in terms of how explosive Garrett Wilson was and how explosive Chris Olave was versus a really good Amon Ross St. Brown type player that's going to play in the slot. And, and Amon Ross is a Pro Bowl player. He's going to catch 100 balls. You know, I think he's a volume guy. I don't think he's going to be a you know, 16, 17 yards per catch type player. You, you bring up Jackson. I was, I'm curious just from a, a when you talk to, to the league, and one of the things that you always get the gripe of with the, those kids when they don't play in yeah. the semifinal or something like that, because a lot of people thought that he probably could have, was healthy enough to play in that game, yeah. didn't. Um, how, how much do NFL teams care about that? Well, I think you, you'll ask questions and do digging, and then and it maybe even get some people that try and you know push and nudge in the conversation with him. And then at the end of the day, you're like, if, is he better than the other guy? Okay, what are we doing? We're fine with yeah, that. We're fine. There's that disconnect, though. I think college – people want, and I think fans sometimes, like, oh, he doesn't have the heart, he doesn't have all of that. And it's like, well, can he play? Yeah, yeah. then we'll, we're fine. Yeah. What do you make of as somebody who covers this and also covers you know the league in, in, your, in your job with the Chargers – of how guys come here. It's like Malik Willis from a year yeah. ago. Okay, If you had just somebody who only existed for that week and yep. watched that coverage when he's throwing the ball 1,000 yards mm -hmm. and he's going to be a first-round pick, 
and then everybody in the league, he goes in the third round. Yeah. How do we kind of reconcile combine talk, combine buzz, and the reality of what NFL teams think about players? Yeah, it's a it's a sliver of the process, and I think it's not. I, I think that the disconnect is people that that rip on the combine and hate the combine. That's the underwear Olympics. It holds no value. I'm like, no, it holds value, no doubt. And then there's people that think that it should be the be all end all. Well, if he didn't do this at the combine, then we can't take him here. I'm like, no, no, no. It, it, it it's 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 individual part of the process. It's you know it's no more than. 10, 15% of the evaluation, but it can be valuable. And to me, I don't look at the combine in terms of I'm going to, I'm going to be able to rank these guys one to 50 or one to 200. I look at it and say, you know what? I have the same grade on these three corners. They're all six foot. They're all 200 pounds. Let's go out there and watch these guys work out. Watch them move. Who's, who's fluid. Who's a little bit tight. Who can't catch different things like that. And say, okay, well that might be enough to nudge one guy over the other guy. When you're looking at three third round corners, that's, that's where the value is. As you, Let's look into the crystal ball a little bit by the time we're done with all of this. Give us a name of somebody who you think by the end of this week we're going to be talking about. Oh, Adebawari is a defensive tackle from uh, from Northwestern. He's he's 6'2". He's got 34-inch arms. He's kind of one of those unique body types of an in- interior player because he's got leverage and length. So those guys are hard to block inside, and he's going to test like a freak. He's going to – I mean – We'll see. I was told there could be like some Aaron Donald type testing numbers with him. So that's one to keep an eye on. Is that one of the fun things when you kind of get this? Oh, we're going to see this guy's going to do this. And <laughs> yeah. That to see if they actually can go out yeah, and no. do it. Christian Gonzalez, the corner from Oregon, is supposed to run low four threes, jump 40 inches. Keely Ringo is going to do the same type of a thing. I, I think the A&M running back's a little nicked up, so we won't get to see him out here, but he was supposed to run the four twos. So yeah. that's fun. The Georgia Tech kid, Keon White, edge rusher, is going to be over 280 pounds. He's going to run the four sixes. It's like, jeez, it's stupid. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. It's stupid. Which, by the way, I always say, like, what's your favorite part of the common? I'm like, who doesn't want to watch guys run fast? Like, Makai Becton and Jordan Davis, these big monsters out here rolling. It's yeah. fun. It is. By always fun when we get to have you, sir. Thanks I appreciate you guys. Great to see much. you. Daniel Sweet Jeremiah. sweatshirt, by the way. I get one of those. Oh, well, well, there's three of them but in on a short list. You're on okay. a short, yeah. Oh, on a short I love list. it. I love, I love it. Legit. Daniel Jeremiah, NFL Network, joining us here. Much more to come. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Live from the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis, this is Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Welcome back to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, live at the Combine in Indianapolis. All right, it's time. This is why I come to Indianapolis, quite frankly. Oh, have the opportunity it. to sit next to this man, absorb some knowledge, have a great talk about the great game of football. Hey, you're the guy now. You're, you're, you're doing games. I mean, man, I'm just honored to sit next to you. No, the honor is all mine, believe yeah, yeah, me, yeah. from NFL Films. That is the voice of the great Greg Cosell in our Combine interview a yearly tradition, and really, truly, the thing that we look the most forward to when we come out here. So let me just start. So how the heck are you doing, man? I think I'm okay. So it's far, good. so far, so good. So far, so good. You know, I just finished my 43rd season at NFL Films. 43. So you, I was one when you began this journey. Jesus, thank you. <laughs> I love how you say yeah. that. We're sitting over here yeah. with this guy in his early 20s. Oh, yeah, it's all relative, and, this, and you're and, thriving. And I think I think my first combine may have been 98 or 99. So I've been coming here since then. So 12, few, call few, 25. Few, few changes in the combine since then. A quarter century yeah. of you at the yeah. combine. I like that. I like crazy. That. It is crazy. It is to see what it's all become. I and, know. And you know what I like about it is. Yes, all the stuff that goes on for the teams, it's very important. But for somebody in, in our line of work in the media who cover the league, right. 
the amount of people that you get to come around and just oh, I, I love is it. I the love best. it. Yeah, it's the best. I love it. Who's somebody that you love to see every year? Who's your Greg Cosell? Oh, well, you know, for years, and he's no longer coaching, and you know him because he was with Cleveland for a couple of years. For years, and and we're very good friends to this day. In fact, we were texting earlier. Is Al Saunders? Ugh. One of my favorite guys, one of my best friends in coaching. You know, I love Al him. and I used to have it. We had a routine every year. We'd go to PF Chang's for dinner, just he and I, and it was awesome. And then obviously he retired, but you know, we were texting today. I mean, we're still really close friends. I still text with him too. Yeah, he is as good a human as you will a- ever and, find, and a great coach. Yeah, and and I used to look forward to that so much. And then of course he retired. We got to get him just come to yeah. Indy for the fun. And of in it. fact, I used to sit with him a lot in the dome, especially watching receivers. And I learned he the guy's a fountain of knowledge. I mean, I would learn so much about evaluating receivers, what to look for, you know. And I mean, he he taught me something that I never, you know. It's funny you talk to coaches, you think you know stuff, and I mean, I've been doing this a long time, and you know, you know a lot. But there's certain things I don't know, okay? Sure. And, and I want to keep learning. That's the key. That's one reason I love coming to the combine and talking to coaches. But he explained to me one year that. Um, about how you can teach guys how to catch the ball. Because, you know, people say, oh, he's got bad hands. He said, that's a cop-out. Al would say, that's a cop-out. You can teach guys how to catch the football. And, you know, I never thought about that. I'm sure a lot of people don't think about that. Yeah. They assume a guy either has good hands or bad hands. And he said, no, 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 you can coach them and teach them how to catch the ball by where they place their hands. Right. Get it. And, I, you know, and he t- that, that was a conversation we probably had 15 years ago. But I remember that like it just happened yesterday. That's awesome. And that's yeah. what I think is what is yeah. so cool about this place. And you know what, in this game, just in general, that you can think you know a lot, and it's a constant thirst for oh. knowledge. I learn every time I talk to you. I talk to one of our coaches. I talk to the hop, Joe Thomas. You're just constantly learning. No, and that's, that's to me is match. what it's always about. I'm one of those guys, Nathan, when I watch tape, and I know I know a good amount. I mean, obviously, I've been doing this a long time. I've been very fortunate with the people I know and have been able to talk to. But I always think to myself when I'm watching tape that – if a coach was sitting here, he'd be pointing out five things that I'm totally missing, and it would drive me crazy. And by the you way, know, they would be doing it going forward, back, forward, back, forward, back, forward, right, back, right, right, in a second, and I know, they I know. diagnosed everything. I know. And you're like, wait, what? I don't you, even you know, know what I saw. I, I always compare, and people might have heard me make this comparison. I, I love to read in the off season. I usually read about 40 books, believe it or not, from wow. like now until, like, let's say, August 15th. And I love to go to Barnes & Noble. I love going to the bookstore. And I get excited and so frustrated at the same time same thing with watching tape because I walk into you know Barnes and Noble and I know there's a thousand books that I want to read that I'm never going to read and it just drives me crazy because there's just too many books yeah. you know and um, you know it's like watching tape I feel like okay there's five things that I'm just missing that if a coach was sitting here he'd point out and I'd go oh man how could I not see that you know that's it's the way the I feel it, yeah right? yeah it's yeah. Like- there are yeah. so many things that happen in every play. <clears throat> I know. And I think that that's and one I, of the cool things about the game. I know. And I can, and because of what I have to do for the matchup show during the season, I Which can't is the spend, best, by the way. I can't spend, you know, five hours just watching one side of a ball. So, right. uh, you know, I have to see certain things and then move on. Right. You know, and if you are people listening at home, and, and I think that there are more, and I don't know if you feel this way, but when you just talk to fans of the game, there are more fans, I think, now than ever that want to watch tape and want right, to right. try to understand the game at a bigger level. If there was one piece of advice you could give somebody about just how to watch tape or the best piece of advice you ever got about how to watch tape, what would that be? Well, the way I would answer that is this, because watching tape is a real is a real deal. I mean, it you have to be taught how to do it, and you have to take it seriously. I think that, and, and 
this is I hope this doesn't come across wrong because obviously fans are what drive any sport and the NFL, you know, has a ton of fans. But, you know, my sense when I, you know, we're all on Twitter because we have to be, we're all on social media, but my sense is there's a lot of fans who without any real background, you know, in football other than maybe they played in junior high or high school, you know, which a lot of people did, go into it with the idea that they really know football. And I think you have to start and accept that you're a clean slate. That's right. That that football, like any business, is nuanced, subtle, detailed in its own way. And that watching games on TV, that you don't know football by watching games on TV. Not the way the people in the business know football. Sure. And, you know, like I said, I hope that doesn't come across wrong because i got to tell you, I didn't play football in high school or college. So when we got the coaching tape in 1992 at NFL Films, I had to learn the game through the coaching tape. And I feel like to this day I'm still learning the game. Every day. Every day. Yeah. I don't feel like, and I've been doing that, that's 30 years now, and I, feel, I don't feel like, hey, man, now I know stuff. You know, I don't feel that way. Well, and know, I think one of the joys, it's, it's kind of like somebody who's a wine connoisseur, right? They right. enjoy a glass of wine differently or a bottle from this year in this region and, oh, the climate was like this and that. I can taste that and all those things. You are still learning about, to your point, the nuance of the game. And I think that when you get to watch with a coach. <laughs> Which I've had an oppor- opportunity to do in my life, yeah. Is the coolest thing ever because the- they're talking about things that – didn't even occur, at least not to me, for sure. No. And then you gain so much from that. Oh, and you know, fortunately, because I now know a, a, yeah, it's taken a lot of time, a lot of years. But now I can talk to coaches, and they can talk about concepts, and I don't even need to be seeing it. I know what they're saying. I I can visualize it in my mind, you know, just because yeah. I've been doing it for so long. Yeah. That's why I like the Manning cast. I think the Manning cast is a great way for people yeah. who want to kind of get into that side of football yep. to hear yep. Peyton talk about it. No, I agree. I agree. I I often watch that on Monday night. Oh, it's yeah, the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I do like the fact, and he's probably right because he was such a student of the game, that pretty much every interception he threw, somebody on the defense didn't do what they were supposed right, to right, do. Right, right, right. And were somewhere they weren't <laughs> supposed to be. Well, it's funny you say that because I remember interviewing Roger Staubach years and years and years ago, and we, we talked about an interception he threw to Jack Lambert in the Super Bowl, and at that point, you know, and he probably feels the same way to this day. He said, Jack Lambert was not where he was supposed to be. <laughs> right. You know, right, right, right. You know, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't accounting for him. Right, right. Because he was he, supposed to be over here in that coverage. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that. All right, let's talk for a second about the Browns. And yeah. obviously, you know, bizarre season for a variety of reasons. Yep. A lot of adversity. They didn't have the season you wanted. But now it's kind of a clean slate, as it you mentioned earlier. Slate. Now you got a full season, a full off season with Deshaun. They brought in Bill Musgrave to help out on the that offensive side of the ball with Stefanski and AVP, and of course the great Bill Callahan over there. When you watched Deshaun <coughs> right. prior prior to the Browns, and then even what you saw this year, what kind of a quarterback was he in your mind? You know, when twenty twenty leads league in passing, and then obviously we had the six game sample size. But what can he be? Yeah, in your and mind? I don't think he was very good this year, but I didn't expect him to be. He hadn't played in a long time, seven hundred days. Yeah, it's a long time. Hadn't played in a long time. Um, I think if you're going to look at Deshaun Watson at his best, you know, he's a, he's a high-level quarterback in this league. Um, 
you know, he throws it well from the pocket. He's got excellent movement. He's got great vision on the move. He's got really good spatial awareness. I think he sees things well, feels things well, throws the ball well on the move. I think he's a high-level quarterback. You know, I'm not into lists, so I'm not going to sit here and sure. say he's the fourth best. Of, you know, I don't do that. You know that. You can win with him. Can Without win question. Yeah. You, you know, he's a high-level quarterback. The assumption is he'll get back to that. Um, and I think that, you know, the Browns are in really good position with him at quarterback. Is this – are we entering a golden era for quarterbacks? You just think about the quarterbacks are in the AFC alone. I know. It's wild. I know. I mean, you're talking Allen, Mahomes, Herbert, Burrow, <coughs> Trevor Lawrence, who I think yeah. very much after that debacle season is, looks like the guy that everybody yep. wanted to go number one. You got Deshaun. You've got, you know – Lamar Jackson's won an MVP, somewhat different in his style and approach, but very dangerous. Who knows what Russell Wilson is at this point, but with Sean Payton, I'm not going to write him off, but he's in. He's been a Super Bowl champion. I mean, that's just eight guys in the AFC alone. And we could end up with Derek Carr in the AFC. Back in the AFC, we're going to end up with Aaron Rodgers in the AFC. I mean, it's wild. You stack up the quarterbacks in the AFC versus the (laughs) NFC. It's Jalen Hurts and I'm not sure who. Right. And then, but is this a golden age where you have, just in one conference, half of the teams have a guy that is the guy? Yeah, I mean... No, it's it, the AFC has those high-level quarterbacks. It's it's an interesting mix, and I think you know it's really interesting now evaluating quarterbacks because more than ever, clearly coaches do look for quarterbacks that have some movement ability and can make yes. second reaction plays. But it, there's a balance there because that can't be your number one deal because you still have to execute you know theoretically the routine you have to be efficient and proficient in 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 routine but clearly we're seeing i mean all the quarterbacks you mentioned um and even burrow to a certain extent you know burrow is not mahomes or allen but burrow can move yeah And, and and he's a very efficient mover Subtle in the pocket, and if you need on third and yeah. six him to get seven, he's going to get you seven. No, no question. Yeah. So, I mean, we clearly have seen that Athlete. those guys are, you know, that, that that trait has become increasingly important. And I think it's in response to defenses because defenses play a whole lot more sub now. So you're getting faster athletes on the field. I mean, now you're even seeing teams play with seven DBs in certain situations. So you're getting faster athletes on the field. You're getting a lot more pressure concepts you know each year defensive coordinators are are trying to figure out you know different ways to to pressure the quarterback you know with with blitz schemes so you know your quarterbacks are going to have to move but having said that you know when it's third and seven and they rush four and they play zone you know you've got to be able to then hit the throw for nine yards and move the chains yep and if you can't do that then that's a problem you know so um so I think the quarterbacks we're talking about can kind of do both. Yep. Yep. And I think that's – it is a league now where if you want to play at the highest levels and compete for the Super Bowl, and I'm see if you agree with this, and you have got to be able to throw when they know you have to throw. Correct. And if you can do that, you have a chance. Right. But, you know, it's funny you say that, and, and I agree a thousand percent. But I also think that in an odd way the run game has come back into the league a little bit. You know, I, look, we would all agree that you need a quarterback, you know, a higher level quarterback or a quarterback having a great year to get to the Super Bowl. You know, it's hard. You're not getting to the Super Bowl with a bad quarterback. Yep. Okay. But, you know, look at the Super Bowl in the second half. I, I, I imagine that pretty much everybody in the stadium and watching at home thought that with the Chiefs down 10, that the second half was going to be a Patrick Mahomes second half. They're going to come out and they're just going to throw the football. Well, it didn't play out that way. No. 
They handed it off a lot. Pacheco. I mean, Mahomes yeah. made a couple of plays. He's Mahomes. He's great. No one's no one's disputing that. And he made a 20-yard run with his legs. Right. And you know yeah. what? That's okay. Yeah. But, I mean, it wasn't like Mahomes just coming out and tossing the ball around. You know, and so at some point, and, and with each team and each feel of a coach with their talent and game flow and all those things that, you know, 20 factors go into all that, at some point you do need to run the football. Yeah, well, the Browns certainly, with Nick Chubb, can do that. I, right. I go stream of conscience with you because you always say things right. that pique my interest. So right. I'm going to go back to the Super Bowl really quickly because okay. I think this is something that you loved. And it's and I'm talking about Andy Reid. So when they would send jet motion in the red zone, the Chiefs figured out that they would the Eagles would kick. Instead of running with, right. the right. responsibilities right. would rotate right. across and the corner would go to the top. And it <clears> right, right. To pick that up and then come up with fake jet motions in a Super Bowl right. to get walk-in touchdowns. Like, is that the stuff for you that when you think about pouring over hours of film and the way coaches do to break that down and find that one advantage then to use it at the highest leverage moment possible and to see it be that easy? Is that just like, to me, that's that's just awesome. That's the chess game where you have just checkmated somebody. They didn't see it. See, that's where the Super Bowl and the fact that teams have two weeks and they bring in all their scouts and everybody to watch tape because – Jacksonville had done that against the Eagles earlier in the season. Yes, it's that play that they went back to. Yes. Right. And and so obviously somebody saw that in all the research and decided that, you know what, here's how the Eagles play that. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to, you know, we're going to try that same play. Because the first touchdown, the one that was to um, – who caught the first one? Um, Sky Moore. Did he catch No, the he first was the one? second one. First one was Kadarius Tony. Kadarius Tony was the yep. first one. Correct. Yep. That one, what the Eagles actually thought they um, had a really good plan because what they were going to do, because the Chiefs normally do jet motion. They yeah. don't do the, the return jet. And they did it, I think, three times earlier in right. the game to it make sure that right. that's how they were going right. to react. So that's what they do. So the Eagles had a plan, and you could say it was a really good plan. What they were going to do, because they were in single high in the tight red zone, yep. is they were going to have Darius Slay replace Chauncey Gardner-Johnson as the post safety and have Johnson run across so that Slay would not have to run across and be out-leveraged by Tony on the exactly other right. side. Yep. Okay? Yeah, kick it. Yep. So all that happened there, and, and this is fine – work you know by and fine detail is slay took his eyes off tony and as soon as he took his eyes off tony he was done because then tony returns and slay didn't see him return yep so it looks like a bust but it's not a bust in a strict sense you no, know it's taking advantage of right. their principles right and right and then and it. then on the second one to to sky Moore, they did the same thing that one avante maddox just went brain dead he just ran inside and and had, you know, had no idea. But the first one, I think, came from really clear film study that, you know, they, they, they knew how the Eagles would play it, and they were going to, you know, th- that was their answer. To me, that is what is so cool yeah. about the National Football I League. I couldn't agree more. See, that's why I've transitioned. And I, by the way, you're the only person that I know that I would talk to and would reference that it came from the Jacksonville right. game. I love it. I, I um, you know, th- and that's one of the things, you know, when I do – that I've sort of transitioned watching the NFL. I don't watch players as much in the NFL as much as I love the schemes and the tactics. Then when I switch to college, I really enjoy it because now I start watching players more. But, like, you know, I've had writers call me up and say, you know, I'm doing an all-pro team, you know, who are your, who are your guards? And I say, guys, 
I'd love to help you, but I don't watch the game like that anymore. Like, I can't tell you, you know, with few exceptions, but I can't really, I'm not studying, you know, left guards. We'll stand for Joel Batonio. Don't uh, worry. And about he's it. a Just good put player. His name yeah. In there. Right. Yeah. Hope you enjoy part one of our interview with the great Greg Cosell from NFL Films and our own Nathan Zagura. We'll take a timeout when we come back. Part two of that interview as we get you a little smarter here on a football Thursday edition from the NFL Combine. I'm Jason Gibbs. And when a medical mistake causes you injury, call the medical malpractice attorneys at 1-800-ELK-OHIO. Elk and Elk, proud partner of the Cleveland Browns. Part two, Greg Cosell and our own Nathan Zagura. Next, when Cleveland Browns Daily continues, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Live from the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis, this is Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. There's a new way to cheer on your Cleveland Browns with the help of your favorite four-legged companion. Barking Backers, presented by Milkbone, is the Browns' newest club for pet parents worldwide. Sign up today at BarkingBackers.com. Barking Backers, the fan club for dogs. Now, part two, NFL Films legend, the great Greg Cosell, and our own Nathan Zagura. Have a listen. So you watch the scheme, so let's talk about that. What's the biggest kind of evolution as you've seen it and then to kind of drill it down to the Browns we know what Kevin Stefanski's done every quarterback that's played for him has right. had their best year with him Jacoby Brissett was as efficient as he's ever yeah. been oh, in yeah. offense this year. I thought he had a pretty good year he he played significantly better than our record indicated right for right his 11 right, games. right there's right. no doubt about that what's kind of the evolution in the schemes and then in our scheme in specific what does it do that stresses defenses so effectively and, and can be so quarterback friendly well, I, I mean, I think my sense is Stefanski in an ideal world. You know, again, things change over the course of any given season. You know, I think in an ideal world, Stefanski is a really good run game coach. You know, I think that that the the use of the mix of the zone and the gap scheme run game is really strong. You know, once they, they got Wyatt Teller, who's one of the best pulling guards uh, yep. in the league as far as gap scheme runs, you know, they realize that, hey, we got a guy that's really, really good at that, so we need to add that element to our run game. Because he was thought of, as you know, as his own guy. Yeah. But, you know, you have to – and plus, fronts – look, there's more five-man fronts than ever in this league, okay? And it's very, very hard to run inside mid-zone – versus five-man reduced fronts. It's just hard. It, it's So you either have to work outside with more outside zone or, yeah. or stretch zone or do more gap scheme where you can down block on those three techniques and then work around. So teams have started to add more. Get, teams that are traditional zone teams like the 49ers yep. have added more gap scheme because it's a better way to attack those five-man fronts that are permeating the NFL. So I think Stefanski at his core would like to have that start with his offense. Now the question is, because he has a dynamic quarterback now who's more than just an executor and a ball distributor Correct. who can make plays and you know, I don't like saying that phrase, but you know what I mean. Absolutely. It's a cliched phrase, but you know, who can who can do things beyond just execute the play design. Right. You know, the question is does he, I don't want to say does he change his offense because he's not going to change, you know, the whole concept. But what are the wrinkles? But, yes, and what, what is the, sort of what is the, the balance? What's the, what's the division of labor, so to speak, between the run game now and the pass game? That could change. 
it should veer more towards the pass it, game. It could well do that. We yeah. don't know the answer to that, but it could sure. well do that because you have a quarterback that is capable of making second reaction plays if, it, for whatever reason, he doesn't see it within the structure of the play. Is what Kyle Shanahan <clears throat> did, speaking of somebody who has his offense uh, right. like a ballet, operate right. in structure, what he did with Brock Purdy as you broke that down, was that one of the most stunning accomplishments in coaching and then execution that you've seen? You know, that offense is, you know, you hate the, I hate the term quarterback friendly because it, it, it it's one of those things that doesn't really mean anything. Right. But and maybe and it does maybe to people. More clearly defined <clears throat> right. decisions. Well, that's what it does. Right. I mean, that's the thing that Kyle does exceptionally well is, look, you want – I had a great conversation with, it, with a, an OC today, and he talked about, you know, the fact that when you, when you call plays in the pass game, what you're really trying to do on every single play, of course it doesn't work on every single play, is generate the primary read being open for the quarterback. That's what you're trying to do. Right. That's okay. the goal of the design. Right. It doesn't happen all the time. Sure. But someone like Kyle Shanahan does that exceptionally well. And, you know, so I'm not saying that Brock Purdy didn't play well. He but did. there's always a mix and a match between quarterback play and scheme and you know, it sometimes that gets lost with people. You know, they think, oh, if, they think, oh, Brock Purdy, he's great. Now, Brock Purdy played really at a high level. That's not in dispute, but he played in a scheme and an offense that was really that presented him and generated him able to make those defined first primary read throws a good percentage of the time, and right. that's what you want. Right. You have you know you read this. If they do this, the ball right, goes here. Right. If they do that, the right. ball goes there. Right. Yeah. And and you know so that's that's what you're trying to accomplish as a coach. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And obviously, he did it well, and that's what I think. You asked Jacoby Brissett from his time. Right. Here, that's what our offense does right, very right, well. Right. Why do you think there aren't more teams, and there are more probably than ever, but that are built off of those principles? You have some teams that just like straight drop back game, and right. they can be effective because they've got the the weapons outside to dictate right. coverages. But I think that right. scheme is maybe not more prevalent than it is. Or is it? But I think prevalent? it is prevalent. Okay. Uh, you know, in the coach I spoke to today, he said that he he's counted 14 teams that sort of build off the Shanahan model. So I mean, that's a lot of teams. Almost that's league. almost half the league. Yeah. So I think it is prevalent. Then it comes down to the specific coach. Just like in any business, some people are better than others. You know. But I think methodology-wise, there's a lot of teams that do that. Yeah, and it's, I think it's fun to see. And I think yeah. for the quarterbacks, you know, Deshaun talked about how interesting it is in this offense. What is asked of him right. is actually significantly less in some ways than what was asked of him in Houston in terms of pointing out the mic, setting all the protections. He was responsible for everything there. And in this scheme, the quarterback's right. not. It's more focus on look, the coverage and deliver the football. Look, look at the Eagles, okay? No, no argument that Jalen Hurts has improved dramatically and is a great. And, and by the yeah. way, the kid is unbelievable just in terms of his approach. I mean, he's one of those guys. Yep. You know, Josh Allen's one of those guys. Jalen Hurts is one. Of, you know, those are just the guys that they get it, they understand it, they they you know they they know they go about their their business the, the right, right way. way. Yep. Okay. But the Eagles are not a multi-dimensional complex passing game. You know, the Eagles are. You know. The Eagles do a lot of uh, the Eagles do a small number of things really, really well. Really well. Okay, yep. 
which is no knock on Jalen Hurts. The reason they can do that is because of the Hurts factor. Because when he's in the gun, with all the run game elements that that presents and what the impact it therefore has on the defense and how they have to line up, they don't have to have, you know, 75 different deals in the pass game. They can be... They can have a few because they know how the defense has to be structured because of his run game element that they can really hone in on five or six core concepts, repeat them, repeat them, repeat them just from different personnel and formation looks. And this is the way they can run a really efficient pass game and then add in the fact that they've got big time talent and then all, you know, you don't need a hundred things. Right. You know, and, and I hope people listening don't think that that's any knock on Jalen Hurts at all. No, it it's just not at all. It's a pick your poison situation that yeah, they're able to They don't have up. to run 100 things. Right. You know, yeah. be, because of him and the run game element, the pass game can be hey, here's our five concepts. Let's be amazingly efficient at those. Just get to them different ways. And, and you know what? We can have a big time pass game. Absolutely. Mentioned receivers and obviously the talent they have out wide. Right. Devontae Smith, AJ <clears throat> Brown. Browns, I think, and Amari Cooper have, to me, one of the most fun route runners to watch right. in the NFL. You want to get a little bit of speed in there, and I know you've started to look at the receivers in the draft. We are at the combine after all, although we're just right. talking ball. But are there some guys here, and I know you and I talked earlier about the young man from Cincinnati. Tyler Scott. Tyler Scott is kind of a And he's Tyler. probably – I would say Tyler Scott and Jalen Hyatt, maybe a few others, they're going to run 4-3 or, or under. So the know. chances of, of them at 42 probably slim for the Browns. I mean, look – you know, it depends on how you look, how you see receivers. You know, the question becomes, you know, do, do teams see those guys as more than just speed guys? Yeah, but speed guys get drafted high. Will Fuller a couple of years ago, and I don't think he's as good a receiver coming out at, to to me as either Jalen Hyatt or Tyler Scott. Okay. Uh, but he went 21st, I believe, in the draft because speed ends up being a big deal. He was and, pretty good with Deshaun Watson. Right, right. And, and he actually got better as a receiver. Yeah. You know, uh, he was a speed guy, and then he, he kind of learned how to run routes a little better, and he got better before the injuries. I guess he didn't even play this year, really. No. But is, is he really. out there as a free agent? He is. It'd be interesting to see if a team like Cleveland goes after him. It would. Yeah. Yes. It's something we've, we've bandied about right, on right. Browns daily. Um, yeah, it makes sense. But, um, uh, you know, but, but both those guys are probably going to run 4-3 or better because yeah. they're just those guys. And those are, the, those are the names that I've heard that, that would fit what the Browns are looking for. I mean, are they looking for that speed guy? Yeah. Because you've got Amari who can right. win every way right, possible. Right. Donovan Peoples-Jones has developed nicely. You've drafted David Bell. I kind of like Donovan Peoples-Jones. I love Jones. Donovan Peoples-Jones. Great kid. Yeah, I kind of like kid. Him. And he's gotten better every yeah. year. Yeah. He works. You talk about doing it the right way. Works hard. He's worked on his body. Worked on his craft. Yeah, I kind of like him. Yeah. Yeah, good size. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you know, and then it, if they're looking for that, I'm trying to think. Another receiver I like a lot on tape, and I don't think he'll be there at 42, is Zay Flowers. I really like his tape a lot. I think yeah. he fits the NFL game today. Can work at all three levels. You can do jet sweeps, orbit reverses, screen game. You know, I really like Zay Flowers. Yeah, that's and that's really what they're looking for. They're looking for somebody that can create space vertically, horizontally. He's that guy. That's what. See, so he's he, and he's a little more advanced receiver than than Hyatt and uh, and and Scott in terms of you know all all the elements of receiving. All right, well, we will put them on the Browns' wish list, signed off, stamped, sealed, delivered by Greg Cosell. Let's talk about these quarterbacks really quickly because I know that you love to do that. I love reading your quarterback write-ups every year. I think it's you are so thorough in your evaluation of them. What do you make of this class? 
just in general? I think there's a lot more questions in this class than people are willing to admit, but because they're quarterbacks, they're going to be drafted high. So we know that. Let's push that aside. Okay. That's going to happen. Yep, that's the position's that important. Correct. So let's let's be as brief as possible. I, I think the best natural thrower in this class is C.J. Stroud. I think Stroud has a natural ability to, to throw with pace and touch, to make those feather-layered throws that you have to make in the NFL. He's an accurate passer. I think he sees things well. He's got enough movement, we saw in the Georgia game, yep. that he can do that. So we'll assume that that can be added to his game. I, you know, if I had to make a list, he'd probably be my number one guy. Okay. Um, I really, really like Bryce Young, uh, but – you know, you have to decide how you feel about his size. I was told by someone who knows that he played in the uh, national championship game a year ago versus Georgia at 169 pounds. So, I mean, so even if he's 185, I, you know, how do you feel about a 5'11", 185-pound quarterback in the NFL? It feels like that would be very difficult to survive with the, I mean, the and, monsters and, chasing you. And in some ways, he's like Mahomes. He has unbelievable spatial awareness. He sees things. He feels things. He knows where everybody is. I mean, he he just has a knack for finding space. I mean, he's a really good football player. Do you think it it would behoove for the best likelihood of success for him that it is a Houston or it is an Indy so that he's playing indoors? Does that help him at his size? He's have to deal with the elements as much? I think it would. Yeah. 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 I think it would. So, again, he's a really good football. And, by the way, I know Bryce Young, and I know his family. The guy's going to blow everybody away. He's absolutely brilliant. Um, he's going to step in and, and be able to run any offense and be ready to play day one. He's that kind of kid. Um, Bill O'Brien gave him total freedom at the line of scrimmage in his first year playing. And Bill O'Brien, as you probably know, is a bit of a control freak. Yeah. So to give Bryce Young that kind of freedom, that tells you how smart Bryce Young is. So he's going to pass every single test, every single test. He'll, he'll be like Andrew Luck in that regard. Okay. The problem is he's going to be 5 all and, and I'm sure he gained weight just so he, he could have a good number at the combine, but he's not. It's not his playing weight. That's not going to be his playing weight. Right. What do you make of the young man from Florida that is probably the biggest ceiling and lowest floor? So, the, so, the, so Anthony Richards, you start getting into how you, what value you ascribe to traits, okay? Because Anthony Richardson has three things. That immediately stand out. Great size, a power hose, and he can run. There's very little subtlety to his game. You think of like a Joe Burrow, and I'm not trying to compare Richardson to Burrow, but you think of what makes a Burrow great. The the, the nuances of the position, the details of the position, the the disciplined craft nature of the position, which you have to have to some degree in the NFL. Okay, Burrow has it at a very, very high level. You know, Josh Allen doesn't have it at the same level as Burrow, but Josh Allen can do other things. Right. Um, Richardson doesn't really have any of that at this moment in time, but he hasn't played a lot of football. You know, he's a one-year starter. You know, you have to decide as a coach, can you get to that balance, you know, at least cross the line where he can execute and be enough of a nuanced player that you can live with the fact that he's going to miss some things. Because he can do cool things and special that things. special, right. Right. So he's, he's a total projection. You have to feel really good about him up mentally. And I don't mean IQ, you know, because I don't get in, you know, I don't know any of that. Sure. But I, I spoke to a coach who said that with the year Josh Allen came out, he, he was actually with a team that 
It was the Baker Mayfield year. Yep. So he was with a team that needed a quarterback, and he said, I had all kinds of problems with Josh Allen's tape, but then I spent a lot of time with Josh Allen, and I came away saying, that guy's going to make it because of just who he was. Yep. And that it would be important to him to, right. to do what he had to do right. to learn. And so Anthony wants. Richardson needs to be that guy. Yeah. I, I don't know Anthony Richardson, but he needs to be that guy. Yeah, so meetings for him are going to be very good. Right. Will Levis, compact power thrower, velocity thrower, can make every throw, great traits, looks the part, little stiff, um, needs to be protected, uh, um, I think needs it pretty well defined for him, or certainly early on. Um Sounds like Jay Cutler to me. It sounds like you're just calling um, Jay Cutler. Maybe. I don't watch enough of his tape. Yeah, to, maybe. To you know, maybe there's a comparison there. Um, but you know, I to me, Will Levis, and and he may make it and be really good. But I don't think in an ideal world, Will Levis is a number. It's a first round pick, but he will be. It's the nature of the beast. Yeah, there, and who knows? Maybe there's another. You know, I, I don't think. Uh, you know, who knows if Hendon Hooker gets in there? I don't know. You know, but but we know quarterbacks are going to be drafted high. Last one, we'll get you out of here on this. Justin Fields and your evals compared to this year's class. Justin Fields is a physical specimen with a big, big arm and dynamic athletic ability. Um, didn't see things great. Didn't react to pressure great. Um, again, perfect example of he has to cross that line to at least be functional as a ball distributor and executor. Correct. Yeah. Right. We know he's dynamic in terms of his, you know, his running ability, his ability to make special plays. But he, right now, he's beneath the line of being, you know, an efficient pocket passer. quarterback. Yeah. Right. And you need that. You need that. That's right. We started that at the top. You That's need what that. You need to have. Yeah. And the Browns so, got that in Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson is that guy. He can make special plays, but he can beat you from the pocket. I Deshaun love Watson was a really good quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and certainly hope that he gets back there. Yeah. This is the best. I love talking. I can talk ball with you. Yeah, for, this is great. Forever. No, I, I love these conversations. Same. Yeah. Thank you so much, hey, man. Greg. Such a pleasure. Such a pleasure. And I'm really happy for you, Nathan, that you're doing the, you know, Thank the, you. the games, and that's great. Thank you. Yeah. Well, one of these days i got to get together with you and just come watch tape with you. Hey, I would love that. you can come to films. You can, if you want to come to films, you know, give me a shout. It's been a couple of I days. Will. We'll watch tape. I will do that. Absolutely. I'm going to take you up on that. All right. All right. Thank you very Thanks. much. The great Greg Cosell. We'll be back with more of Cleveland Browns Daily live from the Scouting Combine in Indy on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Live from the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis, this is Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Welcome back to Cleveland Browns Daily, live from the 2023 NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio. Very, very happy now. A big luminary of the Combine. Oh, my bless you NFL Network and the Rich Eisen that's Show, same. which I think Larry David would admit that's that's a sign that you've made it. <laughs> the Your Name Show, period. Good to see you, bud. Great to see you, man. You, man? I'm great. I'm great. Good. I love the Combine. You still like the Combine? Love it. Yeah, me too. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Combine is now uh, a staple for many reasons, and um, one of them is a room like this. Didn't exist when we first started doing it. 05 was the first Combine I went to, and a room like this didn't exist where they're mimicking Radio Row from the Super Bowl, and then around the corner are all these podiums that are in the same room where coaches speak and the prospects speak. That wasn't the case, so uh, we're all <clears throat> jonesing for football because it's now been two actual weekends in a row without it, 
with all due respect to the XFL. Um, so now everybody's in here talking about the storylines that shows like yours and mine have been chewing up and wondering about for two weeks, and we actually get guys at podiums giving updates that aren't really updates, and we read into what is an update, and then the combine happens. And then everybody watches what um, I've been fortunate to be part of with NFL Network, which is the renewal process where everybody is looking at every player out there and saying, my team could use that guy. That's right. Uh, for me, last year for the Jets, as you know, I grew up a Jet fan. Uh, I saw Sauce Gardner, and I, I, he had me at hello. I'm like, that's the guy, and I did my best to speak it into existence. Um, and then it became a reality. So that's the way that it works. Uh, I'm sure there'll be Browns fans out here thinking we need this player, that player, that player. You're hoping that that player can actually fall in the draft and that in that your your evaluation aligns with the, that of the Browns and hope it's about renewal. It's about seeing these kids get faster and stronger every year, and then and then everybody getting together for a convention um, uh, of of football That's to right. try and answer the questions that we're all wondering when we're going to get the answer. Indy to becomes it. football Vegas for a few days, which is always it a is good time. it is, and you know, and it's um, I I I love coming here. It's been a blast. I just like being here and. Just uh, you know, calling the action like I'm calling a, um, a golf tournament. Got got a whisper because my voice carries, um, and uh, and it's like a laboratory in that stadium. It's pretty cool. It is very cool, and something also cool. You mentioned getting stronger and faster every year. Run, yeah. rich, run. Yes, which is one of the great things that you do. The charity. You're out there. You're flying. I've noticed it. <laughs> flying. Yeah, flying. I, mean, I don't that's know. I, 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 it. Actually, that's what I did to get here. I flew. <laughs> I'm, I'm not really flying. But I'm, I'm uh, you know, it's interesting. I love that people ask me about it because uh, it means my run hasn't uh, gone for, for naught. Certainly not. Um, and then, you know, starting about six years ago, I started doing it for charity yeah. for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. And then when uh, COVID hit and there was no combine, we did it in, um, we did it in Los Angeles. We did it. Uh, on the fly in Los Angeles in SoFi Stadium. Yeah. Uh, in twenty in twenty twenty one we did that. Um, and so uh, when we did that, we got more um, legends running it, NFL legends community folks running it, and more people paying attention. And we raised more money than ever. So it behooved me to do it again. Last year I did it at the Rose Bowl. So I'm I'm transitioning to run it in Los Angeles. In smart. April. Well, the reason why it's smart, Nate, is because the years that I ran it here, um, I would run it at the end of sitting on my ass in a broadcast booth all day, like literally feeling my uh, hip flexors tighten <laughs> while I sat in poor posture eating crappy food for six, seven hours, and then I'd have to go stretch and run. And this is on the back end of my busy schedule where – you know, this just in covering the NFL, as you know, although you look pretty fit, it it's, it's, <laughs> Thank you. It, it does not it does not um, engender uh, smart food choices. That's right. Throughout the year. So now that I have it till you know, I can do it in April. Then at some point, you know, no one's going to want to watch a guy pushing 60 running anyway. I don't believe so that because it's a, such a I don't know. it's a great cause in your. So it, I'm doing it in L.A. is my long winded way of saying it. In, I like that, though, because weeks. now it is it's. 
that's the main event of your day that day. You're going to build up to that. You're going to be primed, and, and I think we're going to see a record. Well, I, I appreciate you saying that. I'll also be well-rested and yeah. well-trained, I think. Hydrated? Uh, hydrated. You know, here, it's just, again, I'm tired. I just spent six, seven hours on television. Uh, the, now you the, want me to run? The least well-rounded event. I'm talking about guys in shorts running in straight lines and jumping in the air, and now here I am like you, like I'm stretching, like literally doing that. It wasn't great. It was not uh, the best. So, but you know what? It's the it's the benefits, the ripples that have come out of Run Rich Run. I agree. That's why it happens. And I appreciate that. Thank you. Absolutely. All right. You talked about the Jets earlier. Yes, I did. We're not going to talk about week two. That's a that's a deal that we're making right now. Well, I mean, no, it's fine. Sure, we can we can we can we can move on from that. Um, Trauma. Still, the trauma (laughs) is very real. I mean, Corey Davis is open. um, You know. He's somebody that I feel like uh, you're talking about it. Okay, sorry. Okay, sorry about. Yeah. So let's talk about the Jets because you said how excited we're playing you are. each other in the. Uh, I know. The Hall, Hall of Fame, Fame game. game. That's what we're gonna. Well, so we're gonna us. convene. Revis Klecko. Come on. <laughs> how about that? Joe Thomas. Of course, the Hoff. It's gonna be. A, it's gonna be a real treat. But you mentioned Sauce Gardner. You didn't mention Garrett Wilson. Offensive and defensive rookies yeah. of the year. Same team, yes. same draft. That's got to make you excited about the future. Oh, sure. And Brees Hall is a guy who could have who could have won it and no not gotten hurt. Look, it's it's a quarterback-driven league. You know it. I know it. Um, that's the reason why the Browns gave Deshaun Watson the contract they gave him, even though it is causing major problems in so many other places um, and uh, potentially Cleveland's when it's all said and done. Sure. Um, but – if you see a quarterback that you feel is generationally talented, you go get him. Um, and um, the Jets tried to do that in the draft two years ago. And, um, and here we are again. And so I don't, I don't have an answer as to how, how they're going to fill their quarterback spot. I mean, they're, they're meeting with Derek Carr here today. I'm in search of that meeting to crash I it. I bet you are. Yeah. Um, are you going in there to make a sales pitch? I, 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 I think they're making their sales pitch. It, it, it would be to tell them, don't wait for Rodgers. Don't wait for him. So you, know, you would if, be – go if, if this is the guy and you like him and you've met him and you've connected with him and he's connected with you and you think you can win with him and you think he, if the contract is, is, is one that, that, that you can handle financially, then do it because Rodgers will cost you draft choices. Lamar Jackson will cost you even more That's right. than what you're going to have to be getting – giving to Green Bay to get Aaron Rodgers. Derek Carr is just Woody Johnson's money. So go get him, I would I would say. So and, you have and, planted your flag. You want Carr yeah, slinging it to and Wilson. Then, and then you don't Elijah. trade Zach Wilson. No, you, no, you just right. let him continue to maybe learn, grow, develop. Uh, I guess, whatever that means. I don't know what it means. Just so. All right, two things. One, mm-hmm. so you planted your flag there. Have you talked about uh, this with LD? Are you guys on board? <laughs> I have not hashed this one out with him. Um, okay, I'm curious if he's if he's given up on Zach or not. Um, uh, I imagine he has. I imagine he has. I imagine he has. Uh, but I, it's entirely possible the kid starts week one. I mean, I, I do believe they're going to walk out uh, of the um, free agency period with somebody significant of consequence. Uh, but I I just don't know. Uh, it's possible that Zach is the guy and that they. Derek Carr's like, you know what, I, I, I want to go to a spot for the rest of my career. And the Jets are like, well, there, we still have this kid that we're, we put too many assets into being, well, you know, uh, blood, sweat, tears in a number two overall pick. Um, I don't know. 
you got to admit sometimes it, it, maybe it'll work out for him somewhere else, but sometimes you have to admit your mistakes, right? That's I part of it. I mean, mistake. I mean, the kid, the kid hasn't shown much, but he also uh, hasn't, you know, gotten to play much. Right. And let's see what happens with, with the kid, uh, you know, and, and the new OC. But I think they're going to get it. I think they're going to go get the Q, QB. I think they will, too. I like the car idea. To me, the, the Michigas around Look Mr. You. Rogers. Michigas. Yeah, you like that? I did. Yeah, I, I got a little eyebrow raise. It I did. Like I that. didn't, yeah, that's sure. a word I didn't expect. Yeah. Do you want to explain what that means to people? Just it would be the kind the, of – The trouble. The, the trouble. The, the, the issues. The constant – yeah, just yeah. a lot of uh, – yeah. too much. Correct. You know? right. yeah. you know, uh, almost a sound release. It is. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. It is. So, yeah. I yeah. Good one. I You've never expect, locked yourself in a dark room. You're a man who loves the light, right? I mean, come on. <laughs> That's not true. I mean, Browns fans will attest as well. I mean, for me, uh, Aaron Rodgers sitting in the dark is a perfect way to prepare to go to the Jets. <laughs> it feels like it. I just I've, don't know that I've he can handle. I've been in my 50, 53 years of darkness therapy. It's called watching the Jets. Well, I'm sure you, you feel the same way Hopefully, Browns fans. Hopefully we'll soon meet in an AFC championship game. That'd, That'd be, be great. a real treat. Yeah. It would be. Rich, this has been a pleasure. As Thanks, brother. Appreciate right. it. Thank you very much. Thank the great you. Rich Eisen. Take care, man. Normally at this point, Nathan Zagura would say, so much more to come. But we are out of time. We have maxed out all of our time. And there is no more here today from Indianapolis and the NFL Combine. Shout out and special thank you to ESPN NFL draft analyst Jordan Reed, NFL Network draft guru Daniel Jeremiah, NFL Films legend Greg Cosell, and, of course, NFL Network uh, face, the face of the NFL Network, Rich Eisen. Shout out to Bo Bishop, Nathan Zagura. Thanks to everybody here in Indianapolis, our our whole Combine crew for an outstanding job. Connor Lawrence uh, behind the scenes doing a yeoman's effort this week. Shout out to him. And we are hitting the road, and we are on our way back to the CLE. We will join you tomorrow from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea. Coming up on the show tomorrow, Chris Rose from the NFL Network, Dane Brugler from The Athletic, a few more interviews uh, that we were able to tape earlier this week. Uh, from Indianapolis. Looking forward to rejoining you tomorrow from back home for Bo Bishop, for Nathan Zagura. Also, I would be remiss if I didn't shout out the guy behind the scenes, Nick Paulus, spinning the dials and helping us out all week from a technical standpoint. Outstanding job by you, my friend. You get one more day this week with me and then a solid two days off, even though we know it's not two days off. Uh, Paulus, great job. Connor Lawrence, great job. I'm Jason Gibbs. The next level is next. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland.